All right, so tonight's lesson is on Rahab. And Rahab is a pretty interesting story in the Bible. Uh, her profession is obviously one that is not great uh, at the time of this story. Uh, but the way God uses her is a pretty miraculous story. And so as we go through each person, we talked about Peter, we talked about Gideon. Each one of these people we've talked about has great faith in God. And because of their faith in God, uh, even though God is calling them to do something that seems, you know, really irrational or impossible or could endanger them, because of their faith in God through that circumstance, God uses them in an incredible way. So Rahab tonight, uh, you're going to see, I taught it from sinner to saint. So Rahab is not a follower of Christ at the time of the story, but through the story, she basically becomes an extremely dedicated follower of God. Um, and so she's not, like I said, she's not a Christian, uh, which this is Old Testament anyways, so it was before Christ. But she wasn't a follower of God, but through this story, she sees the power of God, she sees the truth, and she decides to full-heartedly give herself to God's will. And you're going to see that although she's living this lifestyle that is very sinful, it's frowned upon, uh, God uses her to do something incredible for his kingdom, uh, and, and then it's written uh, in Hebrew, and she's a person in the wall of faith, which is pretty cool. So, kind of know some backstory here, this is going to be pretty interesting. Rahab's backstory, to kind of give you guys a perspective of where the story takes place, Rahab uh, basically lived in a house in the city wall. So basically, you have all these walls of the city, and a cut-out portion of that wall is where Rahab lived. Uh, I'm not sure how nice it was. It may not have been the nicest place ever. But it was probably somewhere decent because it was inside the city. Um, her profession was a prostitute. And so this location was really ideal for her because in this time, you had a lot of men, that, although they lived in the city, the road passed by Jericho was always a very steady stream. And so as men came in from other cities and other towns, uh, they would pass through this street. Uh, she was right on that, right in the city. She could easily kind of pop out, introduce herself to these men, you know, offer, you know, her services. And, um, and, and she, would stay, she would stay pretty busy, um, at lack of better terms. Um, so um, then in addition to this, though, now in this culture, she lived in the Canaanite culture, okay? So Rahab lived in what was known at this time in the land of Canaan, which was the Promised Land. So if you guys fast forward in the Bible, this is in Joshua. If you fast forward, Joshua leads the Israelites into what? The Promised Land. And they take over what group? You may know? The Canaanites. So this is pre-Israel Israel taking over the Canaanites. So God has already promised Israelites, this is your land that I'm giving you. But the Canaanites currently inhabit that land. And in order for the Israelites to eventually inhabit that land, a massive battle has to take place, led by Joshua. Uh, Moses leads them up to the promised land. Joshua leads them through it. And they end up taking it over. Um, but the people they defeat that are living there right now are really, really bad people. Uh, they're called the Canaanites. But they live in this pagan culture. And basically a pagan culture is a culture that's all about self-fulfillment. Whatever you feel like doing, you do. Whatever makes you feel good is okay. And they have multiple gods, idol worshiping, all kinds of things. What's really sick to think about, okay, 
But this is true. Back in the pagan culture, prostitution was not seen as a bad thing. It was actually encouraged in some sense. Um, when they had certain quote-unquote worship rituals, they actually encouraged prostitution to take place during those rituals. It's like an act of worship. Okay, so again, um, very, very sexually perverted people, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because in our culture in America today, we've in some ways already come back to this, uh, which is pretty scary to think about. Uh, as much as we promote sex now in America and as much as we push that and encourage it outside of marriage and things like that, in a lot of ways, America is reverting back to this paganism culture. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. No, that's true. Uh, yeah, it's a very, it's a not a very uh, praised profession in today's world, and it, and it shouldn't be. But back then, though, and the only reason it was is because again, people were all about that back then. Um, so, what you have to think about this? This is Rahab's current living situation. This is her job. This is her day-to-day -day kind of thing. This is the culture she lives in. Okay, so she's surrounded by people that also believe and support this kind of thing. So then comes the spies of Israel. And that's where the story takes place in Joshua 2. So I want you guys to have that context. I'm going to read it off to you here. We're going to start in verse 8. It says, <clears throat> Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were all on the other side of the Jordan, Sinon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. So, real quick, two spot. So, Joshua, uh, and the book of Joshua is fascinating, by the way, because it's the whole, basically, the book of Joshua is about how the Israelites come and take over the Canaanites. So, it's a pretty cool story. So before Joshua just sends troops in, it's like, all right, boys, we'll knock them out. Um, they send spies into the land to basically scout out the army, to scout out, you know, how the setup is. You know, back then they didn't have drones and airplanes and stuff. So if you want to get away from land, you really have to go there yourself to see it. And so two spies were sent uh, from Joshua. And these spies are, in, are now in the land of Canaan here. And they're walking around. Well, apparently somebody recognizes that they're not from this area, and they somehow figure out that they're spies. Now, if you're a spy, what do you think is going to happen to you in this culture? Yeah, you're gone. You're dead. And so, so Rahab um, sees these men, and she, instead of offering her services to them, um, she offers that they come inside her house for protection um, because... Uh, they, she knows that men are looking for them. But what's interesting is Rahab says something really particular here in the story. She says, we've heard about the stories that God has done. We heard about the parting of the Red Sea. We heard about Israel being free from Egypt. And we know that God claims that your people are the ones that are supposed to live in this land. So the thing is, Rahab has heard these stories for who knows how long, weeks or months. And She's starting to, to believe that there's something to that. 
that maybe maybe this God of Israel is better than the pagan gods that they're worshiping, the idols and stuff like that. So in Rahab, in her kind of curiosity and her um, inward uh, desire here to protect these people, she, she brings them into their house. So that's what we're at here in the story. And then it says this. It says, So the men, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, so, um, and as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did, neither, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven, above, on earth, and beneath the earth. So then Rahab goes a step further and says, you know what? I, I believe that your God is the real God. Like, uh, I've been hearing these stories, uh, and she brought them in to protect them. She's like, hey, guys, I, I'm also protecting you because I believe that this God is real. I, I believe your God is, is the one. Because our pagan gods we're worshiping, our idols and things like that, you know, they don't do things that your God does. They don't deliver us. They don't comfort us. You know, they, they're, they're not there for us like that. I believe your God is the real God. So right here, Rahab is basically professing that she's going to stand with these men. Now, being a prostitute, you're obviously not, like, way up in society. And so if people found out that she is helping out Israel's spies, what do you think is going to happen to her? She's going to die too instantly. And so Rahab, all of a sudden, goes from this person living this terrible, sinful lifestyle in this pagan culture to all of a sudden risking her life for God and, and, doing, and, and for his people. Pretty crazy to turn events just quickly there. Because she, she basically in a moment realizes that all these stories she's heard have to be true. And this God is the real God. And she's willing to risk everything to protect these spies um, so they can report back to Israel or the Israelites and get a better idea of how to approach battle. Um, so here's, what, here's how she goes on to finish the conversation. She says, <clears throat> yeah, Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house, and give me a true token, and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all they have, and deliver our lives from death. Basically she's saying that I'm going to help you take over these people. But when you come in and take over the people, don't kill my family. Basically protect my people. And so the men answered, our lives are yours if, if, if you tell none of this business of ours. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and cruelly with you. And then she led them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt with on the wall. And she said to them, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go on your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. And so, um, the story of Rahab is a fascinating story because the men do follow Rahab's orders. She obviously knows the land and how these people pursue people way better than they do. And they follow the orders. The people that are pursuing them, after three days, they do leave. They turn back to the city. The spies go back to the Israelites, and then later on they do attack the land of Canaan, and they have a better outside picture of the land and the people and all of this, and they do come out victorious. So the story of Rahab is a story of extreme faith, because in the moment she realizes that God is the true God, she's willing to risk everything to, for his mission to go forth, for his plan to go forth. 
learn from Rahab here about faith in our life today. Sometimes as Christians, we've been a Christian for a long time, we can get kind of stale in our faith where we, we go to church for a while, we, we go to mission trips and things like that, and we just get kind of stale. We don't have that kind of passion, that fire that we first had when we became a Christian. And it's important for us to remember that who God really is and that his mission is worth dying for. You know, Jesus died on the cross for us, and so we should live our lives for him. And if that means that what we do for him leads to death or injury on earth, we know that's not the end for us because heaven's waiting for us. So we should be willing to risk everything for the sake of the gospel. Because this should be that important to us. We should have that kind of fire, that passion, and that devotion to God. And when you have that kind of faith, you're willing to take those kind of risks, you also know that, what, that God's going to be with you through that. And many times he's going to guide you through protection. He's going to help you through that to where you come out victorious on earth. But even if you don't come out victorious on earth, you'll come out victorious in heaven. And so the important part is that do you have that kind of devotion that kind of faith. Because when you do, you begin to see God work in incredible ways. What's interesting here, this is what's real crazy. Rahab was, again, not a follower of God, living a terrible lifestyle. And in a moment where she realized who God was and gave her life in full submission to Him, not, not caring if it risked her own life or not, God began to use her in a powerful way. Not only did He use her to help the Israelites come over and take over the land of Canaan, and he spared her family from death, he also uses Rahab later on in the genealogy of who? Jesus. So Rahab is mentioned in the genealogy uh, of Jesus. So if you think about that, um, God actually sends his son through her, through her line. Uh, now not just her line, but also she's part of that. In addition to that, she's mentioned in Hebrews in the wall of faith as being one of the most faithful people as far as stepping out in one of the most miraculous ways of faith here on earth. Just in the moment's instance like that. And when you, again, have that kind of devotion, that kind of faith in God, you're, you're, you're ready to do whatever it takes for the sake of the gospel, God will bless that and use you in incredible ways beyond your imagination. And the thing that was, I just want to pull a few things today, and we're going to wrap it up. Some lessons from Rahab is... Um, don't this last. Don't look at someone. Well, that's bad handwriting. Sorry. Don't look at someone where they are. Yeah, but who they can be in Christ. So here's what I mean by that. A lot of times in church, we throw around the phrase that we're all made in the image of God, which is true, biblical. But then we don't really act that out in our lives. We see people that, like Rahab, are living very simple lifestyles. People don't have to jump to conclusions. A person or this person, you know, is never going to turn back to God, or this person is less than, or, you know, so-and-so. But if we're truly going to look at people like God looks at people, you can't look at people where they're at today in their current sinful lifestyle. You have to look at them as who God created them to be. Although they're not maybe living in that purpose right now, they're not fulfilling the purpose God has for them right now, if they turn to Him, 
they could be something great for the kingdom of God. And you begin to see people like that, then when you see people like Rahab, you don't just run the other side or avoid them completely. You, you, you do the best you can to minister to them. You still show them kindness. You still show them compassion. You still show them love. Knowing that uh, that person has had gifts that God gave them just like God gave you, and that God wants to use them just like he wants to use you, and if they give their lives to him, he can use the gifts and their ability, and he can use all the mistakes and bad things they've done for his glory in the future. He can take their mistakes and use something really beautiful out of it. Um, so that, that can be a challenging thing, but I would encourage guys, think about those at school that maybe are just not very nice kids, maybe they're mean, maybe you have people that just are a lot different than you, that you have a hard time seeing them made in the image of God. But I want to challenge you to, instead of looking at where they're at currently, keep thinking about who God created them to be. If God said they're made in my image, they are worthy, they are valuable, uh, and they do have gifts that will benefit the body of Christ. And think about who they could be in Christ. And when you think about that, you begin to treat people differently, knowing that God saw the plan for them too. His face value of Rahab was nothing, but inside, God was molding her to be an instrumental part of his plan for the future. And the next thing is this here, is that your mistakes don't define your future. Many times in life today, people think that, oh, I've done this, 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 I can't be used by God. Or I've done this, 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 I'm not good enough anymore, I can't do this for whatever reason. But the thing is, Rahab would be considered in that time period, you know, pretty much living in the worst kind of sexual sin you could live in. Yet, God used her in the genealogy of Jesus, okay? So... If he can do that for her, he can do that for you too. Think about this in the Bible. Paul was in charge of basically murdering Christians, persecuting Christians. Paul did some horrible, terrible things in his life. He made a comment in the Bible that he believed he was the worst of the worst sinners. Yet when God changed him from Saul to Paul and gave him eyes to see who he really is, and Paul gave his life to God, God used him in an incredible way to be probably one of the best missionaries, but not the best missionary in the entire Bible. He wrote most of the New Testament. So your mistakes don't define your future. Yes, some of the things you do today could have an impact on your future. Yeah, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. But what you've done right now, the mistakes you've made today, mistakes you've made in the past, don't have to define who you are in, in God's eyes going forward. Because God can take all that sin all of those mistakes, and he can use those in his glory in the future. There's a lot of people that have testimonies of where you know, they were put in prison or they committed terrible sins, and then once they gave their life to God, God began to use them to reach other people that were going through those things and to bring them out of situations like that because they could relate to them, they understood them, they had similar stories, and they were able to rescue hundreds of thousands of people you know, and, and show them who the Savior was in Jesus. So, don't let your mistakes define your future. I put here, God defines your future when you humbly submit to Him. He can take the worst sinner and transform them into the most esteemed saint. And the last thing is this here for tonight. 
Just because someone doesn't respond the right way doesn't mean they didn't take to heart what you said. A lot of times when we share the gospel with people and they don't respond with, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's great, or, yeah, I want to give my life to Christ, and they don't have a really good response, we just kind of like, okay, well, that was an egg, so move on to the next person. I want you to think about Rahab here. You know, up until this story in Joshua, she didn't really, from what our, our knowledge, do anything for God, okay? But she had heard stories for who knows how long about God. And then when these people came in, it really opened up her eyes like, you know, I need, I need to respond and act now. I need, because this God is real, I need to respond and do something in, in, in a leap of faith. So all those stories were planted into her, though. All those things she had heard about God were planted into her. And then it manifested into an extreme act of faith, who knows how long, weeks to months afterwards. So just because you share the gospel with somebody, or you invite them to church, or you talk about Christ in a good way, and they don't seem to respond well, it doesn't mean they didn't hear you. It doesn't mean they didn't let that sink in. It may just mean that they're not ready right now. But if you keep putting investments in, kind of like a piggy bank, if you keep putting money in the piggy bank, eventually it's going to burst full. And all, of gonna, all the goodness is going to come out. So it's kind of the same thing with, with people. You know, maybe they don't accept Christ right away when you share it with them. But you keep investing in them. You keep putting that penny in. You keep putting that quarter in. And you keep investing in them. And you keep filling them with the gospel. And hopefully eventually they realize that Jesus is the Savior. And they burst forth with an acceptance of him. And all those things that they, all those investments that were built up over time come pouring out in the way they begin to serve him and use him the gifts he's given them. So I put here, Rahab heard the stories of God for a while, and eventually when the spies came, she decided to trust God and act in obedience and faith. So don't give up on people. You never know who they could be if you just take a moment to share the gospel with them and keep pouring back into them.